The path to the World Series goes through the National League East. Philly is set to play a wild card round against the Miami Marlins, just like we called it, right, Jeff? Oh, yeah, of course. No, I, I knew it was going to be the Marlins uh, about five weeks ago. Not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I didn't want it to be the Marlins, so Frank, I, but but I'm not as scared. I'm, I'm really not that scared. Yeah, really as late as the end of August, the Marlins were sub 500 and yet they rallied yeah. in the month of September. You know, when, once once they lost Alcantara and Jorge Soler had no bleak issue, I thought, man, the Marlins are cooked. But but also the Cubs kind of helped them out. I was going to say, I don't know if the Marlins really I, I'm not going to say they didn't earn it, but they sort of backed into it because of the way the Cubs played. I, I, you know, I didn't see the game, but I know that uh, Seiya Suzuki made a terrible error. Uh, late in the game for the Cubs that just kind of led to this just uh, caving in, which is very Chicago Cubby. And if you know the history of the Cubs, so they're out Marlins in, <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought the Cubs were foolish not to trade away assets at the deadline and they went for it. And I thought they proved me wrong, but then they proved me right, I guess, <laughs> but, but the Marlins. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's, let's, so let, let's just dig right in and talk about this matchup, right? Cause I know a lot of people have a lot of strong opinions on that. I, you know, I've heard even national baseball people kind of say that they like the Phillies matched up against the Diamondbacks better than the Marlins. But, but let's, let's be honest, Jeff, if you're going to win in October, you need to step up and play good baseball, no matter who you face. A hundred percent. I mean, I think you could. I think the nature of the uh, fan or the observer, or whatever, is to whoever you're playing, sort of find the reason why that team could beat you. You know, with with Arizona, you would say, "Man, I think Arizona played well against the Phillies this year, right?" And you'd say, "Oh man, Corbin Carroll, and they're youthful, and they don't care, and there's no pressure on them." So with the Marlins, it's, oh, they're a division team. They actually have a winning record against the Phillies, not just this year, but if you look at the combined last four or five years, they have a better record against the Phillies than the Phillies have against them. But, you know, I I don't think, I don't think it matters that much, honestly. You know, with the three games being at at the bank, I think that's such a huge advantage, even as opposed to last year when they had to go to St. Louis. So um, there there were some advantages and disadvantages to, to playing either team. Frank, I, I don't know. How do you feel about it? Was there was there a matchup that you were more fretting? You know, I it I don't think it really matters too much. Those lefties on the Marlins have had some of the Phillies numbers uh, throughout the course of the year. I think that you I think you need to acknowledge that, right? That yeah. the Phillies are are still very left handed, and um, despite the fact they've been getting stuff out of their right handed bats of late, certainly Trey Turner and. Uh, JT Romuto had a little bit of a rebirth there for a while. Castiano slowed down, but also was kind of, kind of giving them something to at the end. So, uh, but but certainly their their best hitters are left-handed hitters. Uh, you know the, I think I think I think Stott can hit both sides okay, but he is better mm-hmm. against righties. And then of course Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber. I mean their splits do favor do favor right-handers, even though they are still pretty good against left-handers, and you're going to put them in every day no matter what. So. So I think mm-hmm. that is, that is going to be a tough matchup in that sense. Uh, but, you know, the it is a home game, as you said, and it is a uh, <laughs> going to be a packed Citizens Bank Park. A lot of intimidated uh, rookies in, in, in play for the Marlins, I would think. You know, the mm-hmm. city has a, the, the way of uh, intimidating the opponent and being the 10th one on the field. Uh, so I think that that's a that's a benefit to the Phillies for sure. And I think it also helps that 
you're putting your best half of the roster against their best half of the roster. And, you know, these aren't games where, you know, if you look through the series season series against, against the Marlins, you want, you know, you can really break down. All right. Well, who actually, who actually pitched, for example, because, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you set up the rotation to, to face the Braves and then the back end uh, with, with their inconsistencies ended up facing the Marlins. Well, you know, that, that, that might tell a different story than pitching Zach Wheeler and, and Aaron Nola. So right. the Phillies do line up pretty well. Uh, I know Nola's had his moments of ups and downs throughout the season, but you should still feel pretty good throwing Wheeler and Nola in a, in a series in which you need to win two games. A hundred percent. And I do think that the atmosphere, you know, I try to put not too much into it, but it can be, you know, for the Marlins who play in a half empty stadium. And then whenever they do play the Phillies, even in Philly, it's not nearly the atmosphere that it is when it's the playoffs. So I think they're they're in for a sort of, I don't want to call it culture shock because they know what it's like coming to Philly. Um, but I think that they'll really experience what the bank is like in October this week. And that will, I'm not going to say they're going to be shocked or overwhelmed, but when you have young pitchers, and I, I know Lazardo was in the playoffs a couple of years ago in 2019 with the, um, with, with Oakland, right? And I know, uh, but Gar- Garrett's a young pitcher. When you have those young guys on the mound and, you know, 40 to 45,000 people just screaming at them, I think that's different than coming to Philadelphia on July 15th and, and you know, winning the, the rubber match of a three-game series. I, I It's just a totally different feel. Well, the last time the Phillies faced the Marlins, they lost two out of three. But if you remember back to that series, that was the series in which Sir Anthony Dominguez had two blown saves, uh, each time giving up a two-run home run, and the Phillies lost both those games by one run. Mm -hmm. So they actually outscored the Marlins for the series and still managed to still managed to to lose two out of three. So, you know, when you consider again who the Phillies threw, I mean they, they did they did get five out of Christopher Sanchez the first game in that series, and the, that was one where the offense didn't give them too too much, and they ended up losing by a run. Game two, they won eight to four, and that mm-hmm. was a start of you know where which Aaron Nola gave up four runs. That was one of Aaron Nola's poorer starts, but Jeff Hoffman uh, stepped in, settled it down, got the win, and then you get to the last game again. Sir Anthony Dominguez loss, uh, the second one of the series. Uh, that was a Ranger Suarez start where he went six and a third and, and gave up three. So um, I think two Suarez, if they need a game three, does still profile pretty well against the Marlins. So I mean, really, I think this will this will come down to can the can the offense do something against the Marlins lefties? Right, I agree with you on that. Um, I do also, you know, and I would love for for that to be answered pretty easily that the offense scores runs. You don't want this to come down to a battle of the bullpens. Cause I don't, I don't exactly, not that the Marlins have a, a great bullpen because in fact, in September they had a four, three, seven ERA in their bullpen. That was one of the worst in the league, but, and the Phillies were all right, but I, I don't know where Rob Thompson's going to look early. I remember at this time last year, the guy who closed out the games against the Cardinals was, um, What's his face? Who went to the to, Zach to, the, uh, to Tampa? Zach yeah, Eflin. Zach Eflin, yeah. right? So there was so much uncertainty. Now I don't think there's role uncertainty. There's just uncertainty about whether or not you're going to get what you need from Kimbrel and Sir Anthony, and and who gets it. And I, I'm I'm comfortable with Matt Strom right now. I think we're comfortable with with Hoffman, but you need more than than just two guys. And I just hope that you know the rest and this last two weeks um, has helped everybody, especially Sir Anthony. 
because that, that you're going to need that back end of the bullpen to come through for you. Well, I I would actually say so. Let's talk about the bullpen for a second. So I I don't I would not put Sir Anthony in the high leverage situations yeah. of the back end. Now, I mean you I mean you're I battling agree. you're battling the playoffs, so you're probably you're probably going to go Hoffman, Alvarado, Kimbrell as the back end, and then uh, they even said they'd be willing to throw Chris Sanchez if they needed to uh, to to swoop yep. in and get an out. Uh, so they're showing a lot of confidence in him and. And you know, Ranger Suarez, they even said could end up in a bullpen role if if they feel they really need him, you know. So uh throughout the throughout the playoffs. But you know, that side day, I guess, uh can be be a day a guy can pitch now. So I you gotta wonder how they would uh, approach a, a game three if they really needed it. But you wanna hope they don't get to game three, Jeff. I think this is I think this is one where you you want that day off on Thursday. Uh I think you're really I mean, of course, you want to win every game. I mean, that's that right. that goes without saying. But, but if you're able to just pitch those two, then you can save your number three starter Suarez for game one of the NLDS, and then be able to follow them up with Wheeler and Nola again. And and you're feeling a lot better about that uh, as as you move forward. It's a good point, though. If you if you win game one and you're up in game two and it's close and it's the seventh or eighth and it's a high leverage situation and maybe you've already used Strom, you know. Um, and it's your second high leverage situation against a left-hander, say like in a race, right? Do you bring in Ranger Suarez to get that out thinking, you know, I wrapped this up. I got the day off. Uh, I don't, you know, it, he's, I'm just asking him to get one out. So it's not like you're throwing him a lot. That'd be interesting because Tomper was not afraid last year to use Suarez in those situations. I think he had to do it out of necessity. Um, you'd like to think that they're in a better spot this year, but they're really not, as you just mentioned, because of the, of Sir Anthony, just not really being what we need, you know, the, the Phillies needed him to be. Right. And, and Gregory Soto, I don't know if I trust him either, oh, even though he Soto, was a, yeah, no, you can't. You the can't all-star closer of the Tigers last year. I mean, he's um, three, so and four, three and four, four, six, two. I mean, which is just kind of meh, but it, it seems like he's either on or he just gets lit up. Now the good news for Soto is in his last seven games, he's only allowed one earned run. <laughs> so that, I tell you what, if I'll bring Soto in to face a lefty, if I'm leading and uh, there's nobody on base, that that's the only shot. I'm just to get one batter out, and it can't be. It could be a high lever. It could be like four to three, right? The Phillies mm-hmm. leading, but no, I'm not bringing him in if somebody's on base. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's a very very good point. You got to figure out how the how you know the the, the last thing you I don't like that you. It's really hard to find the inherited runners scored. You know, mm-hmm. they, you don't see that on the relievers line but you know a guy could have a zero era but every time he comes in he gives up uh, every base runner that's on base right so <laughs> that, that, right. that that hits somebody else's era so i think that's important but i will say his last 15 games has a whip of 0.87 so that's that's mm. the sign he's not uh not giving up too much however he had a 4.26 era in his last 15 combined meaning he did get he did give up some runs uh even with that low whip uh on the back end of the last 15 because his last seven as i said He's only given up mm-hmm. one earned run. So he gave up five earned runs in the previous eight games. So uh so hopefully that's a sign he's kind of hitting his stride as he as he gets to the playoffs. So so yeah, so so but I but I would I would have reservations there. I mean, and certainly the good news is he is behind the death chart on Jose Alvarado. And if Zach Wheeler gives you seven, well then you're only worried about two more innings, ideally. Now now, of course, mm-hmm. if it goes extra innings, then you you gotta do your best. But uh, but that's a uh, that's a real question there. Now, let me ask you about uh, some some guys from the right side. So, Sir Anthony Dominguez, where do you use him, or do you not use him? You just try to stay away from him. 
Yeah, I think you have to, Frank. I hate to say it. I mean, listen, I w- he'll be on the ro- playoff roster, but it really wouldn't shock me if they left him off. I mean, you can't trust him to get an out right now. And, you know, I know they try to get him as much work as possible in September to try to get him right, but it just was not working. So you can't really go to him. I, he's on the roster if you're up by eight runs, you know, and you you just need an arm to, you know, or you're down by eight runs runs i suppose long man um but no high leverage situations for him which is really unfortunate so let me ask you this mm-hmm. the righty they have orion kirkering started the year yeah. class a clearwater see on your roster we're not doing that frank <laughs> you don't want to put orion kirkering on the roster uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to like you know nurse young players along or, or first you know guys just coming up from from the minors <laughs> well Dylan I mean, Kobe is not if around you, this is the first the first series is a three-game series so theoretically you need three pitchers right three starters yep so I mean is Taiwan Walker or Je- Michael Lorenzen someone you would consider bringing in I think they end up maybe in the bullpen out of courtesy uh, I mean that's yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the the likelihood you see Walker or Lorenzen uh, in any of these games before extra innings is low. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, that. if you end up you having know. to go extra innings, I mean, your best shot might be putting one of them in and hoping to get get them to the end of the game. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. Like, I mean, this is my biggest fear: the right-handed arm out of the bullpen, not named Jeff Hoffman. Um, that that's or, and and Krim- Well, no, Kimbrel is still a, a a little bit of a concern, right? Yeah, Just oh, because, yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. think he is. I don't think he's as bad as some has have. Some have made it out to be. No, you know what I, my fear with him, Frank, is. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is that he is just so blatantly cavalier on the pitch clock, and that's cool in the regular season. Um, but I, I don't know how you flick that switch in the postseason and make sure that you don't have a pitch clock violation and get yourself. I mean, you know, every single pitch in the playoffs matters and counts, and you just can't give away free balls to batters, you know, and you can't, can't well, you know what, uh, Jeff, up there. There is that? an update. The pitch clock is different in the playoffs. Pitchers oh. now have, have 15 seconds to throw a pitch when the bases are empty and 20 seconds when there's a runner on. So okay. this pace is going to slow down a little bit. So Not about that. Yeah, so yeah, it's, well, it's only a little bit. I'm not concerned about it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so, so, so they recognize it's a, it's a different entity. So, um, so that is a big change for the playoffs. And also, thank God there is no ghost runner. So the, when I talk about extra innings, these games could go on a while, right? So if, if it ends up three three at the end of nine, I mean, you might need a Lorenzen or, or Walker and hope they get you through three. I mean, well, obviously you want to try to win immediately, <laughs> but um, you know, I think that that that's where you're going to start seeing those back end starters for both teams. Now, I think they would go Chris Sanchez first. Uh, and yeah, that's. That he, Hope that it gives you a few. I mean, provided they didn't use them already, but, but I think right. Kirkering, I think Kirkering's gotta, gotta be there. I mean, for the reasons we've said, I mean, besides Kimbrell and Hoffman, I, I, you know, I want a righty that I can bring in and get a strike, a key strikeout. I mean, he, I think, I think Kirkering can make any of these Marlins look silly, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> with, uh, his, uh, with his slider that, that man, I, I saw the stat. It was, uh, from, Drunk Phillies fans, every you follow that account on Twitter. If you don't, I really uh, I've rec- seen it. Yeah, <laughs> I really recommend that you that you follow Drunk Phils fans. But we see, uh, we 
he had the stats on that slider. Let me see if I can pull it up really fast because, of course, I'm going to. Well, yeah, while you look for that, I will say I think that there's maybe some advantage to the unknown with him. I mean, what, what did he do? Pitch three innings at the, yeah. at, the, <laughs> at the end of the year? So I know he had six strikeouts in those three innings, and that's really good. And so the, the, the opposition has not seen a whole lot of him. So maybe to your point, there's surprise element to that. I, I feel like you can go to Kirkering maybe in this series against the whoever you might play in round two. I might be a little bit more reluctant. Um, but so we'll Kirk, Kirkering slider breaks three times further than the league average slider. That's wow. according to at drunk Phil's fans. So, you know, I, Are you I, sure I, it's just that he was the drunk Phil's fan doesn't see it with his drunken eyes differently? <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a. Uh, I, I recommend you. I recommend that follow. Very, very good baseball guy. Uh, okay. he, despite despite the fun uh, t- Twitter slash X handle, but uh, but you know what? I I, th- I think part of this is aided by the fact. Now this this will kind of be, uh, I guess, our natural segue to the next thing I want to talk about. But the question was a week ago when I did my ESPN mailbag, uh, Orion Kirkering or Reese Hoskins because the Phillies only had one sixty day. IL guy, which would only allow them to, to add one or the other, because if Hoskins came back, then he's off the IL. Well, the Phillies placed Eric Yulman, remember him, on the 60-day IL, so they promoted him to put him on the 60-day, meaning mm-hmm. now that there's room for both Kirkering and some guy named Reese Hoskins if they want to carry him later in the playoffs. Do you think he's got any chance at all of playing? Uh, I was 12 years old. In 1988, right when uh, Kirk Gibson hit that legendary home run off the Mets. Um, I I don't, but here's the thing, Frank. I don't because my gut instinct tells me it's not the best idea. I feel like the Phillies love the idea of being able to have this guy maybe come out, come up and pinch hit. I mean, it's hard for me to think that a guy who hasn't played all year and hasn't seen live pitching is going to come into a Playoff game. I mean, if somebody can do it, it is Reese. Um, but I'd have. It's almost like a dangerous experiment. You put him up there in a big spot, and his timing isn't there, and he strikes out on three pitches. You're going to kick yourself if you left somebody else on the bench who you thought could have come through for you at that that moment. You know. So I don't here's know who what that somebody would be, but so here 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 is here's how I see it. So. uh Reese Hoskins cannot play first base. I think that's you. You, you just can't do it. I mean, forget you know the bats. One thing, right? He can't play first base in my estimation. I think that obviously you want Schwarber as your DH, right? So he can't be a DH, right? You know, we we saw the numbers. Rojas in center, defensive run mm-hmm. saved fourteen plus. Schwarber in, in left field, negative 24 this season, right? What Imagine that swing. And Rojas was hardly with the Phillies. You're not giving up that defense in the playoffs, period, right? So the right. gains the gains from putting Schwarber in left field are not worth it. So Correct. he's not playing first base. He's not being the DH. To me, the only window of, for him to play is essentially to be pinch hitter, a pinch hitter for Brandon Marsh in the late innings. <laughs> And then you then you then you send Pache out to left field the following inning. Mm-hmm. That's the only spot I can see Reese Hoskins coming up. What are your thoughts? That is, and that's why I kind of jokingly referenced the the Kirk Gibson run. But I'm still of the thought process that 
with an entire baseball season out. I don't know where his timing's at. You know, they do, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously been hitting, you know, working on it, but it's a whole He's about thing. to face live pitching. So, you know, yeah. you're going to you're going to see that that um he's trying. And by the way, Listen, I think I, I just know that I know how the Phillies think. I think I know how they think and I and I it would not surprise me one single bit if they threw him out there in a big spot to pinch hit. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. I mean, just just imagine if you are it's probably not going to happen in series two against the Braves because Phillies will have to face the Braves next if they advance through the wild card round. But if you're in the NLCS against the Dodgers, you know, like, wouldn't it at least mess with the Dodgers mind or the Brewers mm-hmm. or whoever else makes it right? Sure. Wouldn't it mess with their minds? Just knowing Reese Hoskins is a home run threat off the bench. I mean, you, you don't have that guy anymore in Major League Baseball, right? I mean, right. I, this is the Matt Stairs of the world, right? That just came up to hit a home run and nothing else, right? Because the pinch yeah. hitter is an obsolete yeah. thing, thanks to the DH. Right. So I yeah, think no, that's... Listen, I think that there are... There's a... Sp- let's say game one, game, right? Or game two, whatever. Closeout game, maybe. Let's say you're a 5-2 in the ninth, okay? You're you're uh, or the bottom of the eighth and you're batting. You know you're going to make some defensive stuff, right? And marshes up to face a left-handed reliever. You want to bat Reese Hoskins there? Fine. I, I think it's a great idea. Get him some looks. You're you're going to win the game as long as your bullpen holds on to it. You're going to even if they don't, you're not putting Reese in the field. You're going to put Pache in there for March and be fine. But that's a great spot, you know. Uh, to me, it's just like don't put him up though if it's two-two in the bottom of the eight, you know, and you're. I just don't know that like I'm taking the bat out of Marsh's hands, even against a left-hander to put in Reese Hoskins, who hasn't seen live pitching all year. You know what I'm saying? Make, yeah, makes a lot of sense. But I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that I'm thinking that it's good. You know, it's good for Reese that he has something to play for too. And yeah. I think he's been a great teammate. The fact that he's been present, he doesn't have to. I remember way back 20 years ago, Randy Wolf's on the IL and he's hanging out down the Jersey shore while his team is playing on TV in the background. He's not watching. So (laughs) like, I think, I think the fact that he's gone on road trips with this team, I think that says so a lot. He's been working out with him. I think it would be a really nice story. And I think it would be a good mental boost to the team to say, Hey, Reese Hoskins made this rounds roster. But until then somebody is going to make the roster. It appears. And that would be Weston Wilson. What do you think of that? Is it one of those cases where it's nice to have him there, but you're hoping he's not in a game for any specific reason, unless you're blowing somebody out? And Well, you know, you know what? <laughs> Phillies have not gotten a lot out of Christian Pache from the right side in a long time. Mm-hmm. So at the very least, he makes more sense than Rudolfo Castro, that's for sure, yes, right? a 100%. You know, his, his, his uh, AAA number is 878 OPS, 31 home runs. 32 stolen bases. You can plug him in the outfield. You can plug him at third base. You can plug him at first. Like you could throw him anywhere. I mean, which is so he, he seems like a much more useful player on the roster than than perhaps the likes of Castro. Castro, absolutely, hundred percent. I'm for it. Castro is not a guy I wanted to see in the game or on the roster. So I'm 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 all right with it. But then who's he? Who's he on instead of? Do you go with? one less pitcher for this or, or is this like a round by round situation where you know obviously Dylan Covey is not going to make the roster so you had a 28 man roster all of September mm-hmm. two of them can't make the postseason roster mm-hmm. Dylan Covey's the obvious one because he was put on the IL at the end of the season so 
So he's not it. All right. So then who do you leave off to make room? I mean, this could be the question is that Kirkering spot. Do you leave off a, this would be something. Do you leave off Lorenzen? I was going to say, you could potentially leave off a, a Lorenzen, your fifth starter. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Guy pitches, an, he's your trade deadline acquisition, pitch, pitches right. a no hitter, and then he has to make your postseason roster. Right. I mean, I wouldn't leave Taiwan Walker off. He's, he's, he's been good this year, you know, for the most part. So, um, yeah. I so, I mean, that, that, I mean, that, that's something they could now, Jake Cave, do you say, hey, thanks for all this time on the roster? Sorry. Uh, We've got plenty of lefties. Do you have a lefty off the bench that you're going to want to – You really, I don't know. You really I, honestly, would. Honestly, you're splitting hairs, right? Like, it could be either of them. Christian Pache, does he make – I mean, I think he makes it for his defense. I would think so, too. Yeah, no, Not, not for his offense, but for his defense. defense. Yes, definitely for the defense. But Cave makes probably the most sense in that regard. Yeah. So, so Although, some... here's the thing. If you haven't – let's say Bryce Harper – gets hurt right in the middle of the game. Now you got to put somebody at first base. Boom. Who are you putting at first base? Boom. Boom. And you're playing Castro at third. I'm mean, not Castro. You're playing Sosa. <laughs> Sosa. Sosa. Yeah. Please don't say that. <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, or even Wilson. Wilson can play third. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean again, be... do you want a veteran? Do you want a kid like Wilson playing in a big game like that? Or would you at least rather have the veteran cave who, again, you're, you've made the point a million times and you're right. What has he proven to be even despite just a veteran? Right. I get it. So, so that, Wilson that... is two years younger than Nick Castellanos and one year, uh, one year younger than Trey Turner. So I don't know. He's a kid. So <laughs> a yeah, point. he just, he just, had, I, I think defensively he's kind of shown what he can do over the years at Triple A, uh, where he was kind of buried. But, but yeah, I mean this will be an interesting final final few spots here. Um, last year they carried as many pitchers as the regular season, even though they didn't have to. Um, I think they were. I think last year they what they had the third catcher in September last year, and the, the, I can't remember who the extra extra arm was, but. Essentially, everybody made it. I mean, that was the pitching way to do things. But, you know, I mean, this is this is round by round. You could make adjustments. I mean, you could say, hey, listen, Jake, sure. sit in your uniform on the bench because you, you can do that. You can keep a couple of them around and just say, look, mm-hmm. we, we're not going to get you into this round because they've got so many lefties. But stay tuned. You know, maybe you'll be on against the Braves and maybe they they pull Wes Wilson out. I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a tough decision. Uh, I guess. I mean, as you said, splitting hairs. I mean. Phillies do not have a strong bench. I think that's something that they're gonna they're gonna work on for next year. Um, probably, yeah. And that's probably so, why we're even having this conversation about Reese Hoskins, <laughs> right? Right. So I think they would find a way for for that. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah. So that so that that roster is not out yet. It will be out at some point today. Probably the moment that this thing hits Apple Podcasts, <laughs> it will be when the roster's out and we can't talk about it anymore, right? But uh, but course, I think we we, we kind of have a we kind of have a sense of where this is going. And I I do believe Matt Gilb uh, and the Athletic did did say that Wilson was was sort of promised uh, a postseason spot. So. I okay. think we're going to I think we're going to see him uh I think we're going to see him on this roster again because he's a right-handed bat uh in, in the midst of a lot of the ones that you can't trust. <laughs> so um <laughs> so I think that that'll be that'll be an issue there especially against all these lefties that the Marlins Marlins have. 
All right, so yeah. let's talk about something else that's that's not directly related to the game, but 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 a a pretty interesting stat came out uh, via Bob Nightingale of USA Today, mm-hmm. and uh, ticket prices for playoff games. So you, we, <laughs> Phillies fans have driven up ticket prices, unlike any other team. In Major League Baseball, so what do you, what do you if you had to guess the markup on the secondary market of Phillies tickets, what would you just guess? Well, it's not a, a percentage wise. I've, I've already was looking on. You stuff. already saw it. All right. Uh, I, I, well, the, but to be fair though, I don't even know what the face value. Could you tell me what the face value of a playoff ticket is supposed to be? It's a great question. I don't remember, <laughs> but I don't. All think I know is that in the upper. Uh, mezzanine, as we call it, you know, the bank. Uh, they, they, I saw anything but from two seventy five to three twenty five, and that was, you know, again the worst seats in in the house. So as you got further toward the field, they they got bigger, <laughs> as you can imagine. So the data, the data from Bob Nightingale. Now I I assume it's it's subject to change uh-huh. from when he posted it, but average ticket prices during the wild card round. Blue Jays versus Twins, seven dollars. What? Oh, they that's could... the yeah. Brewers like versus Diamondbacks, twenty-two. Rangers versus Rays, thirty-three. Marlins versus Phillies, one hundred ninety-nine dollars. <laughs> oh, oh my god! And that's fate. You're saying face value? Well, then no, that's right. the secondary market. Oh, that's the secondary. Oh, I so... could not find it for one hundred ninety-nine dollars. Well, you know what? So SeatGeek, which is now the official secondary site of the Phillies and all uh-huh. of MLB, right now, as of right now, when we record this on Tuesday morning, there are no tickets available on the secondary market on SeatGeek, right? Uh-huh. So that they're the ones yep. that they're the ones that uh, would would have that relationship with the Phillies, and it's a little more seamless, like StubHub used to be. Looking yeah. on StubHub, they called Vivid Seats now. By the way, didn't they change their name? I don't know. No, SeatGeek okay. is SeatGeek is the name. I don't know. They, they might have merged or something. I don't know. Vivid, yeah. But uh, so right now, the cheapest I can find on StubHub section three hundred nine. That's one of those high outfield seats in the outfield. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Row one. Oh yeah. So at least it's row one. Hundred twenty six dollars each. So that's the cheapest that I can find. Uh, 28 minutes ago, section 422 a pair sold for $135 each. So yeah, I'm looking at the 400s here, and I'm seeing 226. I'm on uh, I don't know, some other secondary market site, 251. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. This is the the worst seats that you can buy. And these are, and this is for the wild card round. So right, you know, I I do know as a, I think last year. I did buy NLCS tickets last year for 150 a pop. I think that's what it was, but uh, <laughs> but that's the NLCS face value from the Phillies directly. <laughs> so, oh, okay. All right. So, uh, so yeah. But anyway, I guess I guess I bring it up, man. If the Phillies fans are, I think they're ready. I mean, they're putting their money. Well, this is they're... what I meant, right? This is what I was trying to say about what the Marlins are are kind of walking into. They think that they they're oh they're all right because they play the Phillies all the time. They've beaten them. This is not going to be the same. We come to Philadelphia in July, you know, for a three game series, and there's like you know a, a full house, but it's like a full house. And there's going to be like rabid screaming fans on every single pitch. And you know, has Braxton Garrett ever faced that in his life? I you know 
I, I don't I don't think so. Uh, and again, Alvarado, when he was in the playoffs, he pitched for Oakland in 2019, mm. right? Like that stadium is a third empty, and that's when it's their home. So, uh, you know, I don't think he's probably experienced anything like he's going to experience tonight. Well, we'll be interesting Wait, to did see. I say now. Alvarado? I meant Lazardo. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you did say Alvarado, didn't you? Um, so, you know, I, w- I just want to gloat for a minute before we we wrap this up. So, on opening day, we recorded a podcast and had predictions. Yes, you know, you know what my prediction was this season for the as far for as the Phillies MLB. No, what was it? Ninety wins, second place. Wow, you called that. You shot. You shot it. You called your shot. I did. Wins exactly. Last year, PHL seventeen. I said eighty-seven or eighty-eight wins in a wild card, and well, they won eighty-seven. So, I guess I need to be gambling, right? Yeah. Uh, Now, what was it? Did you happen to re-listen to what our our World Series and predictions? I think I I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to talk about that. No, I I think I, I I. I think I I think I thought Houston might be back in, although they they found that with the last day of the season they won the NL West. I mean the yeah, AL West no. after after uh, trudging along for a while because we all predicted that they would reacquire Justin Verlander and. <laughs> right. But, uh, wait, no, no. Is I accidentally predicted Framber Valdez to win the NL side award because I always forget Houston is not the NL anymore. <laughs> but he wouldn't have won anyway. No. Um. So the uh. Yeah, so we won't we won't we won't look at it every prediction, but you know I did think the Braves would be better than the Phillies at least record wise, and uh, but you know what though I here's you know I don't want to get into any more predictions. Here's why because once you get to the playoffs, right, any given Sunday or any given Tuesday at eight oh eight p.m. Right, you know yeah, uh, you know you know I think that it's it's I don't want to overanalyze. I just think fans should just go root root like hell for their team and and enjoy the run. You know I mean that's. You know, we saw that with the Eagles in 2017, 2018, right? You know, I mean, they were the underdogs, and it was a lot more fun if you just sit back and had fun, right? And then last sure. year, the Phillies were underdogs as well. They just sat, just sat back and had fun, right? And next thing you know, they're in the World Series. So, right, you know that 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 would be my recommendation. But but no, I I, I just want to gloat a little bit about the the 90 win thing in second place. And I job. said the By Mets the way- were going to Mets. Yeah, they, you were right about that. Do you remember when, um, after April, when things weren't looking great, and Rob Thompson said, "I still think this is a ninety-five win team," and he kind of got crushed for it. Now they didn't win ninety-five, but I don't think anybody at that point thought that they, they would even get to ninety wins. I, I, I don't know. Actually, I meant to do this before we recorded, but what the Phillies' record is since like May fifteenth or something like that? It's got to be in the top four of baseball. Top yeah, four. it was it was more of the same, and and you know what too, like one thing you notice too that the the record smooths out at the end because yeah. you had, of course, the Phillies did not try in New York, right. <laughs> so yeah, they could have won ninety one or ninety two. I agree, it was, it was almost <laughs> comical. Like, hey, hey, all of a sudden, Michael Plasmeyer, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you knew where that game was going, and up. Oh, Nope. Send him down. Nick Nelson makes his final de- finally makes his debut after all this time, you know? Uh-huh. So, uh, but yeah, sorry. So I'll just run through month by month. So, um, so in March, they lost the one game they played 15 and 13 in April. So by the end of April, it was 15, 14, but then they went 10 and 16 in May. So then that, that, you know, then that would have made them 25 
and 30, right? Well, so they were five games under at the end of May. Okay. So I think right. that I think that, that was, was probably the turning point. On May 15th, they were 20 and 21. So you can but we can take your at the end of May they were what at the end of were? May they were 25 and 30. 25 and 30. And they finished 90 and 72, right? Yep. So my quick math tells me that's 65 and 42. 65 and 42. That's 23 games over 500. You know, and even even when it seemed like the Phillies were scuffling for a little bit back in July, I mean, they still had a winning month. They were 14 and 11. And I I remember I remember during that period the nat- one of the national guys were like, "Oh, wow, look at the Phillies record since the beginning of June." Mm-hmm. Uh, and meanwhile, it seemed like the Phillies were were trudging along, right? You know, because they were, yep. you know, and, and you know, even back to 2011, you know, there were some stretches of that 2011 Phillies team that won 102 games where it felt like they were trudging along, you know. So, but you know, if you if you, it's pretty interesting to consider that you know the Phillies had you know March excluded because it was a single game, but they had winning winning records in every other month. Best month right. being June 18 and 8, right? So. You know, it's, it shows yep. you over the course of the season. You don't need to like blow out every month, <laughs> you know, and um, get you get you where you need to be. Only, the, the Braves were only four games better than the Phillies from the end of May to the end of the season. Right, and then again, the Phillies didn't didn't try in right that series against. <laughs> I'm not the sure Mets. the Braves were trying too hard either in the last week and a half, but yeah, same same thing though. They, they were on par. Yeah. So, uh, so at any rate, I mean, I think Atlanta. I think it's fair to acknowledge that Atlanta is pretty freaking good, and yep. uh, they're they're probably the favorites in this thing in the National League East. Uh, so, but anything can happen, right? Yeah. In fact, I, I, you know, I find Milwaukee to be a pretty scary team, um, hmm. just because of their pitching. I, so I was kind of hoping that Milwaukee and Atlanta would have to play each other in the second round, but it didn't shape out. That way, but um, I'm, I'm yeah, isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy that if the Phillies get to the NLCS, they have to face the Marlins and they have to face the Braves? So right, like, they, yeah. it's all in the NL East. You know, I know they used to try to avoid that, but in the past, but the the, the current model doesn't doesn't make any exceptions for in, in, no. intra division games. So I think you have that. Don't you have that in the AL too? With the um, if if Toronto, no, if who's yeah, yeah, if Tampa Bay wins. Oh no, they have to play the Rangers though. But then they'd have to play the Orioles. And then on the other side, you've got the Blue Jays in there. So, you may have to yeah, a lot of AL East in there too, right? And 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 neither the Yankees or the uh, Red Sox are in, which is which is pretty That's cool crazy. too, you know? Yeah. So yeah, overall, by the way, uh, I will acknowledge you. You did think the Reds would surprise people, you know? They kind of hung into the last weekend, you know. So, uh, yeah. kudos to the Reds and kudos to Joey Votto, whose career might be over now. Finally, um, his contract is. Uh, set to be up uh probably will get a buyout from the reds and that might be it for joey vado class act but uh well yeah, but yeah if we're but gonna co- do that you know hats off to miguel cabrera man because i've he's been yeah. fun to watch and he's been a great ambassador of the game and you know I, I i can't believe that he won the triple crown a couple of years ago and it's like the least talked about thing mm-hmm. ever i guess because it's with detroit and detroit just doesn't generate a lot of publicity but that dude won the freaking triple crown Right. And it's like never discussed. He was an amazing player. And also kudos to Terry Francona, who uh, uh, Tito. Yep. His his career as a manager is over. He's had some health issues uh, in, in recent years and and he decided to uh, 
hang it up. Of course, the guy who got his start uh, with the Phillies mm-hmm. as a very young man. <laughs> so, uh, right. how old was he when he got hired? Was he like thirty nine, maybe at the oh, time, or young, something yeah. like that? So, yep. you know, joined the Phillies in nineteen ninety seven, and I was thinking about him uh, over the weekend too because. Uh, you know, I, I remember back to when he was fired. He still managed the last couple games. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Gabe Kapler was out all of a sudden and disappeared for the last couple games. You know, with the Giants. Not that we want to talk about the Giants, but you know, it seems like uh, Gabe Kapler uh, gets buy-in in the beginning, and then it wears out over the course of a season. So, uh, Giants also very much a a, a contender for the wild card and kind of mm-hmm. fell apart at the end and like the Phillies teams that he managed. I was going to say that's a September. familiar refrain for, for, uh, for Gabe Kapler teams. Yeah. And I apologize to whoever said it, but you know, it seems to be that, you know what, the way his method of using pitchers just wears everybody the hell out. And then come September, no one's got any energy left, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so maybe that's, uh, I'm sure he'll get another managerial opportunity, but uh, you know, there are three open jobs right now. Right. So uh, mm-hmm. New York Mets fired uh Buck Showalter. They don't use the word fired, but you know, new new president there is going to hire somebody new. Guardians need a new manager, and Giants need new managers. So yeah, I would. Uh, he obviously won't replace himself, but um, but yeah, there's a few openings, so I wouldn't be shocked if you see him again out there. But but yeah, I think so I'd be surprised uh, if that Mets job didn't go to Carlos Beltran. I feel like you know, <laughs> wouldn't that be something after months. all this? Yeah. After all, after all those, th- I mean, Alex Cora got rehired by the Red Sox, so why not? <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> so, I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. Or, or Craig Council with the Brewers is not under contract for next year, so could could his old boss steal him to the Mets? David Stearns, right? Yeah, yeah. Mets brought him. Yeah, so so that could be one to watch. Yep, and I always, uh, I always, when I speak of Mister Stearns. I'm always like afraid to call him Daniel Stearns, you know, like the actor, but uh, <laughs> a little, little different, right? So, uh, yes. yeah. Is but any rate, from uh, Home Alone, is he one of the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's one of the, the Harry, right? <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So that's that. That's what I'm afraid I keep calling it. But at any rate, the Phillies are in the playoffs. The 2023 regular season has concluded, and. Jeff, let's try to check back frequently this postseason and uh, keep up with the Phillies. You don't want to give a prediction to end this? You don't want to tell me if the Phillies... I predict there's going to be playoff games and the Phillies are going to play them. Oh, that's that's a heck of a, a bold statement by you, Frank. <laughs> I don't do predictions in the playoffs, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna quit while I'm ahead. Ninety second place. Put my neck on the line. I'm gonna say Philly sweep. Phillies in two. Sounds good to me because that means we'll have plenty to talk about. Yes, it will. <laughs> but until then, enjoy the games, everybody. Phillies are in the playoffs. This has been the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher. Catch you soon. <laughs>